You're listening to the Family Culture Project, episode 59. Steve Graves and how to equip your kids with everything they need to know. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you were meant to be. Driving culture is primarily a teaching function. If you don't know what you're teaching, you won't do it well. That's why taking time to map out what you value and believe is so crucial. It creates a curriculum for the way you'll do life. Now, our family is in one of the busiest seasons of our life, and it's all good stuff, things we've intentionally chosen to do. However, it's easy to get into default survival mode where we're just trying to get through the day, through the week, and through the month. And I believe that when we do that, we miss opportunities to invest in our children. Now, our oldest daughter is just two years away from graduating high school, and I find myself wondering if we've taught her everything that she needs to know to go off onto her own. And even though our overall family culture is strong, I can't help but ask myself if I've taken the time to teach her the things that she needs to know, those finer points of friendship, dating relationships, finances, setting and achieving goals. And, you know, I want her to, when she leaves this house, whether she goes to college or whether she um, gets a job right out of school, whatever it is that she's going to do in this next phase of her life, I want her to be prepared. And so I'm really beginning to um, take seriously what I'm intentionally building into her life. Well, I think we've been doing a lot of this all along, but you're right. Two more years is scary. Mm -hmm. She's going to be gone and I'm actually already sad. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I'm all for teachable moments. I I read the book Teachable Moments years ago when my kids were young, and I was like, this is exciting. I'm going to teach them all the things that they need to know. But I'll have to tell you, I think that as valuable as teachable moments are, being ready to instill in them your values or belief or truth when any opportunity presents itself, it's just as important to have sort of a list of things that you want to strategically make time to talk to them about. And for us, um, having graduation just around the corner, it's a huge wake-up call for us to say, have we done this and how can we do this well in the next season that we're approaching? Yeah, have we done enough and what else do we need to you know, mm-hmm. do and or do more of more yeah. frequently. Yeah. And this looks like us sitting down at the table and just figuring it out. Like, what is it that we want her to learn? If we were to write a list, if we were to brainstorm the things that we want to sort of like hand her off with as she goes on to the next phase of her life, what's on that list? And then even taking the next step and scheduling regular times to do that with her. So, um, you know, is it depending on her schedule, like, is it a lunch um, is it a breakfast? Is it maybe just a walk? Like, what? when are the times that we can purposely just start depositing these things into the person that she's going to be? You know, the scheduling part, I think, is extremely important because I just finished up a couple of weeks that were pretty crazy at work, and I feel a bit disconnected. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's when you have something on the calendar that you know is important, you, you figure out your schedule to still mm-hmm. hit that... Mm-hmm. appointment or that yeah. that schedule and without it just the time slips away oh absolutely and i think that when we do this when we take the, the time to write down a list and schedule it 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 gives us a plan like we do we freeze up mental capacity we don't have to stress about when we're going to find the opportunity like it's it's done it's it's something it's something you can walk out on purpose But it also creates excitement. Like, you know, the more decisions that we make ahead of time, the easier it is to take our good intentions and translate them into reality. So there's an excitement you can have, like you mentioned, like anticipating 
like these appointments that we're making with our children or the intentional family times that we're setting, you, you have something to look forward to. It also gives you a way to set your calendar even at work because if you make that an important event to attend, you're actually going to attend it just like you would do some award ceremony mm-hmm. or something that mm-hmm. sounds bigger or grander. Mm-hmm. If you make it that have it that kind of importance, you will you will make sure that it happens. Mm-hmm. And again, like teachable moments are fantastic, but you know, our kids don't always share with us the things that they're going through. They don't always share the struggles that they have. And so if we predetermine the list of things that we want to talk to our kids about, um, we can anticipate what they need before they experience it. And so it gives them the encouragement and the wisdom that they need before it's too late, before they come to us with an issue that they're experiencing, whether in relationships or academically or just socially. Like we we can provide them up front with what they need, which is exciting because I want them to be prepared and I want them to have confidence. Yeah, how often as kids did we hit different things within our lives that that we really struggle to navigate. But mm-hmm. when you have a, a, a sense of values and purpose, mm-hmm. it, it just makes things much easier for them. Yeah. And now you don't have to have a teenager or somebody who's about to graduate for this to be worth doing. You know, wh- whatever stage that you find yourself in, whether you're, whether your child's in kindergarten, second grade, or mid- middle school, you can consider what are the things that they're going to need in this season? What are the things that they're going to need this year? You know, try to remember back to when you were your child's age and think about what you would tell your younger self. This week's guest, author Steve Graves, decided that he wanted to make a long-term investment into his relationship with his son, so he began taking his son to a local bagel shop to discuss life over breakfast. And over the following three years, they talked about each of the deposits that you'll find in his book. Listening to the conversation with Steve actually inspired me to have hope that I'll have the opportunity to talk with my kids about the things that are important. Yeah, and this doesn't have to be complicated. Like, you don't have to be a pastor, an author, or have something really, really important to teach your children to to do this. Um, Nor does it have to be well-crafted. It can be as easy and as simple as getting together with a friend and sharing your thoughts and feelings over a cup of coffee. Now, It's important to know to do what works for you in your season. And if it's too hard to do, you won't do it. So don't overcomplicate it. Again, we want you to make this as simple as possible. You can brainstorm your own ideas or you can grab resources like the one our guest created and use it as a guide or what Steve likes to call a cheat sheet. Now, at the end of this episode, we will share with you how you can get a worksheet that we created that will help you create your very own deposits for your children. And the download will also include a link to Steve's book, plus other resources that we've used over time to take the guesswork out of what to talk to your kids about at various ages. In an organization, regular team meetings are given. They keep people informed, help them achieve goals, and ensure everyone is on the right track. Weekly family meetings do the same. Not only do they allow you to see if you're spending your time and resources in a way that lines up with your family's values, but it also helps you approach each week with purpose. To help you get started having weekly check-ins with the ones that you love, we've created a free family meeting packet. It includes sample agendas and discussion topics. You can find the link in the show notes or go to the thefamilycultureproject.com to get your copy. 
Today, I'm talking with Steve Graves. Steve is a strategist, CEO advisor, and author. At any given time, Steve is working with a handful of remarkable executives leading large global organizations and young social entrepreneurs who are just starting out. He has authored over a dozen books and worked with thousands of leaders, all aimed at helping people flourish in their life and work. When Steve is not consulting or writing on strategy, leadership, or impact, you can find him backcasting in the cold, clear rivers of Northeast Arkansas. Well, welcome, Steve. It is wonderful to have you on the show. Hey, thanks so much. I'm glad to be here with you. All right. So a question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? (laughs) Um, You know, we're probably known for a lot of things. Um, uh, Probably, I think the thing that if you ask my children, they would probably say we're known as a family who really loves well. We we love each other very, very well. And... um, at least we try to, and we try to be intentional, but we try to have a lot of fun on the way where we have yeah. a lot of, we have, I have three adult children. And so we have always had a lot of fun and we still have a lot of fun even as adult children. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear because my, my kids are 12, 14 and 16. And I know we're just around the corner to, to that. And I, I love spending time with my kids and I, I, aspire to continue that to continue to spend time with my kids and enjoy their company as as they're adults yeah and uh yeah. i have to tell you sometimes i am a little nervous about what that all holds <laughs> well i can tell you it's a different animal yeah <laughs> parenting and being the parents of adult children is a lot of fun but it's a complete different ride i can tell you yeah that. right uh, just when i have it all figured out it's going to change exactly totally totally <laughs> All right. So um, you're here today to talk to us about your book, 41 Deposits. So I would love for you to just tell us about it and what inspired you to write it. Yeah, great. Be happy to. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I've written a lot of books through the years. My primary work that I do is with uh, CEOs, business uh, owners and entrepreneurs. And Mm -hmm. uh, but I write around themes of strategy, leadership, faith or some intersection of those three um, and have for years and years. Um, but, uh, I grew up without a dad in the home. And so, um, as my kids began to age, I began to become a little, a little bit more burdened and more sensitized on trying to make sure that, that my, that my role in my children's life wasn't simply, you know, the, the, uh, in-house Uber, the in-house ATM, house yeah. <laughs> it is and and I don't I'm not making fun of those but you know it's so easy just to become you know the shuttle parent or the the police whatever it is Mm -hmm, and and so you know I began to think back through and actually my wife and I were on a an anniversary trip to Italy and we had walked by this little small mom and pop um, leather shop every day as we would walk through the towns and the, the back roads and and so I went in one day to buy some journals for my children, and I was going to bring them back to them and just give them and let them use them, uh, you know, as they saw fit. But I began to think, why don't I fill out, uh, by this time, my, my girls were a lot older, and my son was about to go into high school. And um, so I think, you know, I think I'm going to make a list of things I'd love to to process with him over his high school years. And so I made a big old long list of 50. And, um, and so, as you know, the book only has 41 of them. Mm-hmm. So 
the, the, the legalist friends of mine, they would call me a nine deposit failure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. um, and so I made this list of 50 possible topics that I really wanted to, to uh, process with my son. So I made this big list and, mm-hmm. and then literally as we were, as, so we spent all of his high school years meeting on and off going through these 41 topics is all we got to before he graduated. Mm-hmm. And then I filled out the journal for him with all of those notes and then gave, uh, him, gave him the actual journal as he graduated from high school. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. A lot oh of fun. So you, I did hear you say on and off throughout high school. So yeah, <laughs> what yeah. I want to know is um, what does it look like to meet with your son on a consistent basis when life gets busy and schedule changes? I know for us, we have sports season. Um, every sports season is different. I have three kids. I'm juggling all that. Um, you know, there's summer versus the school year. Like, what does it look like to, to say, I'm, we're going to do this on a regular basis and then make it happen? Yeah. Well, so, you know, as, as you know, and every parent knows, it's not easy um, because you just, you know, kind of life and rhythms get in the way. And But our, our commitment was to do this. We decided we wanted to meet together. And, um, and, and it wasn't like, it wasn't a Bible study of sorts. So it wasn't like we met every Tuesday, you know, and, and every Tuesday we got together because all the way through high school, my son played basketball mm-hmm. and he played all, he played on the high school team all the way. He started as a freshman and went all the way through. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he was very active during, during different seasons with that. And then my, my business, excuse me, I would have to travel probably. I don't know, you know, every other week I'd go to somewhere for a day or two. Mm-hmm. So what we would do is this, our commitment was to get together as many times as we could every month. And sometimes it would be twice. Sometimes it would be three or four times. And when we would get together, our goal was to simply share around a topic. Now this was very, very important to me because it took me forever to become comfortable with writing this book. Um, mm-hmm. I had the material out for years and years and all my buddies that I would tell about the story, they would say, Hey, can I have your outlines? And I'd say, well, I don't know. You know, I said, it really wasn't for anybody else. It was actually for me and my son. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I'd give them the outlines and they would use them. But the thing that, that made me really hesitant was uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't one of these deals where we would get together and he would put his head down and just take notes. And, and, <laughs> I, and that was my goal was to fill up a notebook. That was not the play. The play was for me to get with my son and to have conversation, have mm-hmm. have as good a conversations as I knew how to have and he knew how mm-hmm. to have around topics that were concerning for me that I wanted to make sure he at least had processed how I thought about those topics before he got out of high school. It wasn't me trying to convince him of my way of thinking. I wasn't trying to, you know, just bully him into believing a set of Bible verses um, of sorts. And I'm a strong Bible conservative believing Christian, but Mm -hmm. my, my, my task, my agenda, my intentional, um, um, a thread was this this notion that I wanted to try to have some real open-ended, honest, deep, transparent conversations around these 41 topics. So mm. to be really precise, we usually would meet either on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. We met generally at the same place. There was a new bagel store that had opened up and gave us a chance to eat a bagel every now and then. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we would cover one topic. 
And sometimes we would cover part of that topic and it would bleed to the next week. Mm. And so, so some, some topics were just, you know, they were what I would, I laughingly look back and, and think they were like four and five bagel topics. You know, some of them just, <laughs> some of them just, some of them just took more bagels than others. Um, yeah. some, of them, some of them didn't. Some of them, we just jumped on it and went. Yeah. And, and sometimes we never really got to our topic because we were talking about something that was top of mind or, or real world based for him. So mm-hmm. that was, that was kind of the, the rhythm that we set up, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious, because I mentioned earlier, about, earlier about the transition of, you know, kids to, to young adults. Um, how did that translate into your relationship post high school? Yeah, no, we actually have, uh, we have a, an incredibly, I met, we, um, we had breakfast this morning. He's running mm-hmm. a small business and I, I got a breakfast with he and his business partner and we had a great chat. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, our, our relationship has continued to grow stronger. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the tightness of our life uh, is, was forged during those relationship mm-hmm. times with him. You know, I have a, I have a theory about parenting and, um, I don't know that everybody would agree with it, but it's just in, in hindsight, it's, it's my theory of what, what, what I really think. My biggest job as a parent is to tie a really nice knot, a tight knot between my heart and my, my child's heart. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then basically as that knot frays, unravels, comes undone, whatever through, through life, whether it's puberty, whether it's a relationship, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a business situation, you know, a marriage one day or whatever, to make sure that I still have a good enough relationship that we can have conversation, honest conversation mm-hmm. around the around the uh, uh, the depth of our relationship mm-hmm. um, about whatever's going on in life, and um, and that's that's what I try to do with my son during high school, mm-hmm. and so. Fortunately, you know, he got married last year and I mean, you know, he's a, he's a full on adult now. We have a, we have a wonderful relationship, which clearly was forged during those, those bagel breakfasts. No question. Yeah. Um, when my kids were little and I still do it now, but I started when they were like in second grade, first grade was we started to go out to lunch once a month. I'd take them out of school because that was the only way I could spend one-on-one time with them. I had three kids super close in age and everybody wanted a piece of me. And I find that now that they're in high school, like it's not common for, for friends of mine to go out one-on-one with their children for lunch. And we still do it because that's what we established. And that's awesome. That's awesome super profound. Sometimes we talk and there's, we, we go and there's nothing to talk about. Sometimes they talk my ear off, but just that consistency, um, you know, has created that relationship for us now. And I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the future as they get older too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm a firm believer that if, if when your children are younger, if you don't have vulnerable, transparent, two-way, honest conversations, mm-hmm. you know, you're probably not going to have those as an adult. You're mm-hmm. going to, you're going to continue yeah. You're going to continue that role play that you're the authority, you're the expert, I'm the one that's in charge, I've got it all together over here. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it's just, it's hard for a, even an adult, adult child to transition versus if they already know that you also are broken, you also mm-hmm. hurt, yeah. you also sin, you also, you know, have issues. And, you know, I mean, I, I remember when, when we, uh, uh, when we were talking about the whole area of purity, I remember my son 
was almost just astounded that his father would, st- <laughs> would struggle with purity. And I just kind of like, I said, I, said, I said, Kyle, I'm a man. I mean, I'm a man. I mean, yes, I'm redeemed. And yeah. yes, I love Jesus, but I'm a man. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I said, yeah, I struggle. And he just kind of looked at, I just remember him just kind of staring at me like, wow, that's really something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I agree. I love, I love your idea of having some rhythms with your children. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so much about culture is about determining your set of values and beliefs and then strategically teaching them to your children. So tell me about how you chose the six categories that you came up with. Yeah. Well, actually, actually the six categories were kind of an afterthought with the publisher. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I had the the 41 topics and we knew that some of those topics were more heart-based. Some of them were more relationship-based. Some of them were about my future. Some were about work or whatever. And so we basically simply organized them into what we felt like were like-kinded, like-kinded issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I completely agree with you on the culture. You know, I mean, I do a mm-hmm. lot of work. I've been working with CEOs for uh, 30 years now and business owners and, you know, uh, uh, Every CEO's, I just wrote another book called The Five Tasks, and every senior leader's job is to set direction, set Mm -hmm. speed, set risk, set resources, and set culture, Mm. set culture. Yeah. And, and, you know, and culture is, is some combination of what we are, what we're, what we're pushing and, and, and we're ascribing to Mm -hmm. and and what we allow and what we just, what takes place. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so you know, every family has a culture and it's up to the parents during the early days to kind of um, take the initiative of driving that. And then as the kids get older, it's very important for every member of the family to help institutionalize that culture. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah. So did you just sort of do like a brain dump and just whatever came? I mean, because I know I could probably start a list now of all the things I want, especially like my daughters or the, my older girls, um, what I want them to know before they leave. Like yeah. what is it that they, they yeah. That yeah. maybe That's I all, haven't told yeah. them already. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's all I did. I, I literally started, I started, um, you know, now I'm a content guy. I mean, I've been writing and I created, mm-hmm. we had did magazines years ago. And so it was relatively easy for me to start with that. But I literally just made a one, just a giant grocery list of topics that I knew these were things I wanted to have a talk with him about, hmm. you know, whether it was about handling money or working hard or, or how to, how to talk and thinking straight or, you know, whatever. And, um, and so I just made this giant list and then I just kind of let them cluster into groupings and, mm-hmm. um, and, and look, we bounced around, we bounced around a whole lot between things. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't at all just, you know, again, week one, week two, week three, it was not that at all. Mm-hmm. If he had something going on in his dating life and we weren't really talking about dating, we made dating something that we talked about. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, so, you know, every parent, and, and here's the thing, every parent has those. I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know one intentional parent uh, mm-hmm. on the planet that, that doesn't have kind of a, sh- a, a short list or a long list. They might not have been written down, but they're things that you would love to deposit into mm, the yeah. soul of your child 
before they, you know, before mm-hmm. they move into adulthood. And, mm-hmm. um, and the, the, the tricky part is, is that often we, we overreach, you know, um, it's really funny. Years ago, I was on a panel with a bunch of uh, other people talking about CEOs and founders and founders have a way um, among the founder syndromes is often founders want to overreach their narrative into the narrative of their, of other people and their company. Mm-hmm. And as parents, we also, we can do that as parents. We yeah. take our narrative and we often want to overreach our narrative into the narrative of our children. Mm-hmm. Now, when they're, you know, when they're three, when they're five, when they're seven, that's kind of okay. Because you're kind of way more, you're kind of more in that, in that, in that control season of life. Mm-hmm. But then you move to kind of that coaching season as they get yeah. old, become teenagers. And then you move to more the cheerleader or the champion of your children mm-hmm. when they are full on adults. You know, if you're still riding your narrative into their yeah. life, you know, then you're, you haven't institutionalized anything but your culture. You haven't really established yeah. a culture of your whole family, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Um, and I think one of the most freeing things an older mom shared with me is that um, God's going to write your child's story. Like their story is going to be different. Like God's got them and they have their own narrative and their own story. And so the times that I want to like hold on and I want them uh-huh. to like do it my way or yeah. to never make a mistake or, you know, to shelter them from anything that could possibly be bumpy or hard, I, I realize no, they've they've got to go through this themselves. They've got their own story to write and then and then it's going to be used in the future. Yeah. 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 And that's hard. And that, you know, Kimberly, I mean that's that's so easy to say. It's so hard to yeah. do. Oh, Especially yeah. if you're if you're a parent who's trying to be intentional and you're trying to do a good job. I mean if you're some absentee dad or mom and you really don't care, then that's maybe no, not a struggle for you, but if you're mm-hmm. really trying to be a balanced parent and, and be intentional with your children and a good steward of, of, of your family, mm-hmm. then it, it's hard. It's really hard. And, it's, and yeah. it becomes especially challenging as you transition through those teenage years and those adult age years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So one last, one last question um, for our listeners who want to be more intentional with their sons and even their daughters, what are two or three things they can start doing today? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Well, you know, one of the things I found out, which I didn't, I didn't think about this when I was writing the book. Um, I, I, I literally didn't, it wasn't my original thought at all, but one of the things that I found out was that um, parents of younger kids Actually, even though your kids might be too young to have big, meaningful, you know, mm-hmm. heartfelt, transparent conversations, mm-hmm. I've got a lot. I got a lot of dads and even moms because you know, ninety-five percent of the topics are transferable. It's just mm-hmm. just have to change the you know change it from he to she, yeah. and it's yeah. the same topic, same topic. Yeah. Um, but a lot of parents with young children, I, I've had a lot of people buying the book and using the book because it gives them. It gives them an early script to begin thinking down mm. about the topics for themselves. Now, yeah. what they're doing is they're just using me as a train track to run down for them to create their own list of 20 or 30 or 40 mm-hmm. or 50. And so by the time your kids do get older, th- then you've already thought about it once or twice, yeah. You're not just for the first time thinking about it. But some, some things that I, I would always tell parents to do, um, I remember I was uh, – my wife and I had some younger parents one time in a group. Some things I will I always recommend is um, first of all, you know, just 
just make sure you you try to hang together with your children and have some fun with them. And when you can pull in their peers and have fun with their peers mm, as well, yeah. um, just make sure it's an enjoyable experience from their standpoint as the customer, not yeah. from your standpoint. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, be like, you know, it's like the dad who thinks having fun is going to go, you know, uh, whatever, you know, it's going to go, you know, Another museum. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're going to go out in the backyard and throw the football around, yeah. but, my, but my son really likes music. Yeah. Well, you know, like, dude, the faster I can figure out my son likes music and take him to a guitar store mm-hmm. with buddies that also like music yeah. and let them roam around in there. I mean, that's, that's the picture. So I've got to somehow, I got to somehow hang with them about things that are, that are, that are, that are uh, interesting and enjoyable and fun for them. Mm-hmm. And then, and then along the way, um, you know, begin to layer in some things that are meaningful and purposeful, but layer the layer in those kinds of things on top of, Mm. you know, having some, having some fun. I think it's, I think it's very important early to figure out your, um, your child's verbal style. Now I'm not going to go off on the Enneagram or any other, (laughs) or any other things. What I will say is this though, for example, if you're, if your child, is a is not a verbal child, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and you happen to be a verbal parent, you you know that's not a good combination. For that because what that means is is that every thirty minute encounter is going to be you talking twenty nine minutes and your 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 child talking one minute, mm-hmm. and so you got to learn how to do things that don't require a lot of talking. For example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you got to learn that okay. one out. Yeah, you, you got to learn that one out pretty quick. Um, Another thing that I've that I've uh, tried to do is is you know two 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 other real quick thoughts for you and, and some of your folks your listeners, um, you know when you can when you can tell your children stories of your life that that doesn't mean that you don't that you don't overlay a Bible insight or a Bible verse or a Bible mm-hmm. principle, but you know. Every time you can tell them a story about you and, and, and when you did something or when you failed at something or when you were struggling with something or something that really was hard for you. And then you can say, you know, in the verse, so-and-so really was helpful for me. That's like the highest peak of, of possible learning engagement and impartation mm, yeah. transformation for, for your kids that you could possibly be. And so those are just a few thoughts that I, that, that I, that, we practiced along the way that that was a little helpful, but you know, look, here's the thing. I, I've told every single person I've talked to about this book. Um, it took me it took me almost four and a half five years to decide to write it. The biggest single reason was is I'm not a prescriptive parent. Mm-hmm. That's just not my style. I'm not the guy that says if you'll do these sixteen things, you will turn out perfect just like me. You know, by the way, your children will also be perfect, just like my children. Yeah. That is not that is not the picture for us. We're not yeah. a perfect family. I'm not yeah. a perfect dad. My son's not a perfect son. Mm-hmm. We still struggle all the time. And so what it is, it's a train track that somebody can run down with the idea of making intentional deposits into your children while while the bank's still open. Yeah. What, what what when the bank's still open? That's kind of like when you make your deposits if you can. So yeah. it was a great project to do. I loved it, 
and it was a lot of fun to do um, with my son. And um, and we're still benefiting from the from the relationship we built over it. Yeah, I bet. All right. Thank you so much for being with us today and talking about your book. Hey, my fun. Thanks so much for the invite and blessings on your work. Okay, thanks. Steve's book, 41 Deposits, Crucial Conversations for Fathers and Sons, can be found wherever books are sold. You can find Steve online at stephenrgraves.com, and he's also on LinkedIn and Facebook as Stephen R. Graves. I'll link to all of these places in the show notes. If you would like to connect me on the podcast, you can find us over on Instagram. It's our favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong too. Plus, we share the family hacks that have helped us build culture along the way. You can find me at Carl Amici. And you can find me at Kimberly Amici. Don't let the pretty pictures fool you. Our family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com.